0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Living Movies Podcast, brought to you in part by Water and Shade Media. I'm your host, John Shindell, and this week we're talking about the movie Monsters, Inc. So, Jared, do you remember watching this movie when you
1: were a child? I do. I actually, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say this on at least half of these movies, but I don't remember how old this movie was. <laughs> right? I was kind of
0: shocked. Yeah. It, it goes back there. Oh, and it, I didn't yeah. even write it down.
1: Goodness. I didn't realize it was one of like the original kind of like classic Pixar movies, but it kind of is. It is. What's their fourth movie?
0: It was released in 2001, so this movie... November of 2001. So it just turned 19 a little bit ago.
1: It's a good movie. It's definitely got its good quotable moments and it's bits and pieces that have entered our kind of cultural thought stream.
0: I feel like it kind of has like, it's, I I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think between this one and toy story, the, these, these two movies really permeated culture in a way that a bug's life didn't and and Finding Nemo, the the next one on their list, that one did too, mm-hmm. but this one this one very much so I th- I think did, which is impressive. This is their fourth movie, and and these movies, they have they have lasting quality to them.
1: I think that's something that we'll we'll get into later. Is this kind of what's the the lasting elements Monsters Inc. And I think there's definitely a lot of them.
0: I think so. So let's talk about the characters of this movie, because I feel like this movie, much like, much like a bug's life, this movie is very character driven. And as I thought about it, I couldn't really come up with real, real big ideas that the movie tries to sell outside of who the characters themselves are. And the other thing I couldn't really find was, was a very clear, good good guy, bad guy picture in the world that they created. I mean, clearly Randall and Waternoose are the bad guys that the movie portrays, but the more I thought about it, the the more I came to the realization that the only reason they're the antagonists are because they just have a different set of beliefs at the time than Sully and Mike Wazowski do. Which I thought was was really interesting. Is this movie has a has a little bit deeper of a uh, of a of a plot then definitely a bug's life and almost, I don't know. It it, it was, it was interesting uh, much like toy story. It was, it was, it was pretty deep. It, it, going back to uh, when we talk about the, the standard old Disney movies, you know, Cinderella, Aladdin, they all have their bad guy. That's just a bad guy. That's there to be bad. Mm-hmm. And they don't yeah. really have a reason. They just kind of are. And, and it's Okay. But that's that's not Monsters, Inc. And I, I wonder, and, and we'll probably talk about this, but I wonder if that's not one of the reasons that gives Monsters, Inc. such staying power and such charm is because the characters are really well fleshed out.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the things that's, that I really enjoyed going back through and watching Monsters, Inc. again was that the characters are really well-lived, you feel like you don't need to have a lot of backstory or explanation for them. I mean, obviously, we got some of that with uh, Monsters University, but it didn't really feel needed. Um, that, you know, the things they did just kind of made sense. Like, oh, yeah, that's the kind of thing that Sully would do, or that's the kind of thing that Randall would do. It, it wasn't hard to believe any of the things they did and very little of it ever felt particularly forced. Yeah. Which really just goes to show that both the screenwriters did a very good job. And yeah. So that the voice actors themselves and the animators did such an excellent job of portraying those characters that it didn't feel cartoony.
0: Maybe, maybe that's what it is. That they 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 just don't feel cartoony. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, there's certainly plenty of cartoony moments. You know, where those there's that whole uh, you know trash compactor scene and Sully's mm-hmm. going through all the different stages of remorse <laughs> and all this, um, which is hilarious. But the characters themselves are not caricatures. Um, it's not like here's an example of an evil dictator or like here's an example of a you know.
0: Prince Charming. An authority
1: figure or a Prince Charming or, you know, they're not archetypes. They're just people. Yeah.
0: So let's go Let's go through the main cast here real quick just to just to kind of set the stage. So Sully is uh, – he is the, the main scarer. He's the best scarer. He's the best at what he does. And I, I thought this was interesting as I was looking into John Goodman and what he was saying about the character Sully is he thought of Sully as kind of a professional athlete as a as a football player you know he's a he's a linebacker he's a big guy he's quick on his feet he's the best at what he does and he's totally committed to it you know he spends he spends every waking minute getting better at scaring and so that kind of drives the character of Sully and he's totally 100% invested in being the best scarer he can be and therefore helping the city of Monstropolis as best as he can, because that's how he can be helpful for the city. So that's Sully. Then there's Mike, who's Sully's best friend. And I thought it was interesting as I started thinking about what, what Mike's uh, character motivations are here. And, And Mike seems to think a lot more selfishly than Sully does. Mike, Mike is very about Mike. He, he, he is Sully's best friend and they are best friends. They are a team, But Mike seems to hang around Sully so that Mike can kind of, I don't know, get some of the glory off of Sully. He's kind of a groupie, I guess.
1: Yeah, and even that I feel is a little more complex because there is obviously a, a very solid friendship there, which is, you know, the thing that makes the movie so great is seeing these two friends going through all this stuff. But there's definitely a very different motivation when it comes to their work and what they're good at. And yeah. Sully's in it because he has almost like a sense of duty, and he's obviously very humble about what he does, as we see in various instances. He's not you know, not a glory hog. He's you know down there with with everybody. He's always chatting everybody up. He says hi to the receptionist and the janitor mm-hmm. and you know whoever else. Um, and Mike is not about that. He's he's very much like we've earned this. We don't we don't have to fraternize with those kind of people. <laughs> and and kind of a sense of I think it's more like a sense of entitlement, perhaps than anything else.
0: Maybe that maybe that's more it is than being a groupie is that he he feels entitled.
1: Which is I mean which is also kind of a groupie thing. But
0: anyway, yeah yeah either way works so that's uh so that's Sully and Mike they're the they're the protagonists and then you get the antagonist side of things and and you get Waternoose who's the boss and he he as the boss he sees his company going out of business he sees them not being able to hit the numbers that they're supposed to so there's there's rolling brownouts in the city and that's a problem and he's saying you know they're going to get shut down and they're going to have to find different sources of energy and so he he's looking at trying to save his company and also save monstropolis so that so that things go okay for the city and the company and and i i understand that i've had i've had people laid off around me i've you know i work in a corporate world and so i get it that as the boss he's trying to just make sure that his company will survive and thrive and so he's looking for as much of an edge as he can get in his marketplace, which I don't think I thought that as a, as a kid, he was just the creepy bad guy, the spider bad guy.
1: Yeah. I think that's definitely kind of a more nuanced character that you have such a good motivation for what he's doing, but he's just going about it in all the wrong ways.
0: See, and you and I think that, but as I was talking with my wife yesterday, she was like, well, but if you take the stance that the children that they're scaring aren't, like, real people, they're not monsters, so do they hold the same value that a monster has? And also, they're toxic and evil, so is it really a bad thing that you're going to extract screams from them more more efficiently?
1: Exactly, but, and this is maybe getting into, like, conspiracy theory uh, territory (laughs) here, but (laughs) there are only a few characters who don't seem disturbed to be around children. And that's eventually Sully and Mike, and also Randall and Mr. Waternoose who never show any, any problem being around Boo. Um, even before Mr. Waternoose is revealed to be the villain, um, You know, Boo's hiding behind him and you know holding onto his legs and all this, that, and the other. And he doesn't react like all the other monsters do, which to me says that they know children are children and not some kind of evil you know, anti-monster kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So there's some, there's definitely some corporate uh, hoodwinking going on at this point. And Waternoose, I feel like is at the heart of it all. So, so that's Waternoose. And then there's Randall and Randall seems to be the the closest caricature in the movie as you can get. He, he is the bad guy. He's, he he's there to be Waternoose's, I guess, bag man. He's he's the guy that's going to do the dirty work because he's okay with it.
1: And even there, they they don't stop at it just being a rivalry between him and Sully, um, but he's out for bigger fish, and and so that adds an extra kind of element to his character where like we can understand the things he does as being more than just you know some kind of roundabout way of getting back at our antagonist, um, that there's some other kind of goal in mind but he is definitely much more just straight up the bad guy.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. And so the the last question I thought of as I was thinking about the cast is who changes in this movie and who grows. And obviously Randall doesn't grow and Waternoose doesn't grow. And from beginning to the end, Mike is kind of the same character at the end of the movie as he was in the beginning of the movie, even though He's at a different place in life and everything around him has changed. I think the character who changes the most is Sully. Definitely. Even though his, his drive, the, the thing that's driving him, I think it stays the same. He still wants to be the best he can be. He still wants to do what's good for the city, but he, he's the one that drives the whole narrative of no, no children are, are, special children are important children are to be valued and it's wrong that we just scare them for our own benefit and i think you see a lot of character growth in sully throughout the movie
1: oh yeah and his whole world just gets turned upside down um that scene where he sees himself after he's you know given his big war as the demonstration thing um really kind of hit different this time around because I was like, oh, he's not just realizing, oh, wow, I am scary. Like, wow, no, <laughs> no, duh. No, that was something we knew the whole time. Um, but as an adult, kind of looking back, I'd be like, oh, no, he's realizing that all the things he's been doing, all the stuff he's best at is wrong. Yeah. That's what he's realizing, that his whole life, all that he's been working for has been just wrong. Has been cruel. And that is just a huge hit. And so yeah, his his character growth is, is pretty tremendous. I'd say for Mike, there is a bit of growth in that he has to, um, you know, right there at the very end, he gives Sully the door. And so that recognizing that there are other friendships that is that are more important than just their own. That's true. And so that's his kind of bit of growth.
0: Well, and it's it's something that he does for his friend. It's a very selfless act, whereas just about everything else Mike does throughout the movie is very selfish or or self-motivated.
1: And it's also because a lot of the conflict that they have throughout the film is like, you know, are you going to deal with this kid or are you going to get us out of this terrible predicament? Are you going to escape my skin or is it all about the kid? And his kind of thing at the end shows that, OK, the kid is important. And, you know, in some ways, maybe the kid's even more important than I am.
0: Yeah. So I I thought, I don't know, I thought I thought the characters in this movie were fascinating they were fascinating to look at. And as I sat down and thought about it again, like I said earlier, I, I, I had a hard time coming up with with the big ideas that this movie wants to impress upon our, the, the viewer. And the only couple that I could come up with, and, and if you have any other ideas, please let me know, because I, I, was, I was scraping the bottom of the barrel here. But just like we saw in A Bug's Life, we see that, that idea that tyranny and evil is still worth fighting against. Even if it costs you everything, you know, Sully's willing to throw away everything he has in life to save this little girl. And that's, that's powerful. And I think coming right out of that is, are the ideas that children are precious and good and they need to be protected and cheating and hurting other people isn't good. But also you see this at the end of the movie, finding new and innovative ways of doing things is good as long as you're not hurting other people to do it. You know, Randall and Waternoose extracting screams from children was bad. Why was it bad? Well, because they were going to hurt the children. Well, but they find a better way by comedy, by making children laugh. And that's good because they're not hurting anybody to do it. So innovation is good when you're not hurting people to get there. So those are are kind of the big ideas I saw. I think
1: kind of narrowing in on that. It's really that cruelty is never justifiable. Ah, there you go. That you you don't, you, you go without, if you have to, to not be cruel, right? They were going to shut the whole thing down at, at the very, you know, right, right before the very end, they were going to shut the whole thing down, you know, because it was cruel and Fortunately, they are saved with the idea of, you know, making kids laugh instead. And so that's our kind of, uh, our Hollywood happy ending, but really the lesson was had even before then.
0: Well, and I think Mike sums it up pretty well after they, you know, they go through that whole thing and they find out that, that as I said, Rhonda was a part, she's, she's the, she's number one. She's the head of the, the CDH, CD, CD, whatever the CD, the, the guys in the yellow suits, and as they're leaving Sully and Mike, they're leaving the thing. Mike's like, well, you know, that turned out well, even though the everyone's going to be out of a job and we're not going to have any power. And he's like, but at least we had a few laughs. And and I think I think you're right They're They're both realizing that, you know, it's good that we shut it down, even though it's very bad. And the movie could have ended right there. It could have, it could, and it would have been, it would have been a mixed ending because it would have been good, unfulfilling, but it would have been very good. But it didn't. And it was, it was a good ending
1: still. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. It I, I it will not, say if it, that was. Maybe if it had an end it, end, ending, the critics would have given it a higher score, but um, eh, it's good yeah. now. I,
0: I will say if it was an adult movie or if it was a book written for adults, they would have ended it right there and the sequel would have been how does Monstropolis survive in this in this time in this energy crisis yeah and i think that would have been the interesting sequel that we don't get so that was that was kind of my thought of of the the ideas this movie presents and and i, and I thought yeah i thought that was interesting so some conversation starters for children this this is something that i i I've wanted to do for our other the other reviews, but I've skipped over it. So some some questions that I think would be good for children and, and things that I might ask my kids when we do watch this movie are something along the lines of why was Sully willing to give up so much to save Boo? Because like we talked about, he was willing to give up his entire life and his friendship and his his standing and all of that to save this little tiny human child. And I think that's a that's a great question to get kids thinking along those lines of, cruelty is bad. And then I think in the same vein, the question, why was Mike so mad at Sully when they were with the Yeti uh, in, in, uh, in the Himalayas? Because Mike isn't there yet. Mike's not willing to throw everything away yet. But Sully is, and Mike is being thrown away, and Mike's not okay with it. And so I think those are two very powerful questions that you can ask your kids and two things that that will start conversations that potentially might flush out the ideas that this movie is trying to present or the ideas that we think that you can pull out of this movie. And then the the last question I thought of in the same vein was why was Waternoose and Randall's plan wrong? And, and what what was so evil about their plan that it needed to be stopped? So. I thought those I thought those would be questions that would be beneficial to ask children to get them thinking along the lines of, hey, what is this movie trying to teach?
1: Yeah, I think those are great conversation starters to really get kids thinking about the movie beyond just, you know, funny hijinks ensued.
0: suit. Which I think it's important as we watch movies with our children. It's important that we have that conversation with them so that we can train them to think about movies and media in a way that's that it's more than just entertainment and train our children that these mediums are trying to teach them something. And we have to be critical of it because sometimes they're teaching us bad things.
1: I think another thing to kind of keep in mind is that a lot of movies are good at asking questions. Some of them have answers. Some (laughs) of those answers are right. I think Monsters Inc. in particular Really has a strong values debate. You know, when does the lives of the few become outweighed by the needs of the many like that kind of thing, and when is it appropriate and under what conditions and to whom and and these these are just good values debates for kids to think about of you know what is right and wrong. It's more than just who's wearing the black cowboy hat. that's yeah it's not just who's the big scary guy and so in that sense it's a more definitely a much more mature movie than Bugs Life for instance because it's not because it's ambiguous like yes there are very identifiable villains but why
0: yeah that's true well let's take a quick break and then when we come back we can talk about some of the things this movie's trying to teach our kids I know we talk about movies here, but something that's also important as parents is spending quality time away from screens, which is something that can be difficult. So I'm really excited to bring you Rooted Childhood. So each month of Rooted Childhood offers a curated set of stories, poetry, books, and eight simple handicraft projects, along with a detailed supply list, video tutorials, and beautiful photos for inspiration. Now, Rooted Childhood will help you spend quality time with your children instead of spending that time coming up with the next activity to do. This is something that my wife has used in the past when life just comes at us too fast and we need some help to figure out the right things to do with our kids. And it's been awesome. So if you're interested in finding out more about Rooted Childhood, follow the link in the show notes of this episode to check it out for yourself and to start exploring all the things that you can do with your children. Well, let's talk about some of the most impactful scenes here. And you already mentioned one of them was when Mike is yelling at, at Sully about why, why are you throwing our friendship away? You're, you're throwing it away. You're not even listening to me and he's throwing, he's throwing the, 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 uh, lemon flavored snow cones Mm
1: -hmm. at
0: at Sully. (laughs) It's a great scene. Yeah. I love it. And I will say,
1: yeah.
0: I will say whenever my children start eating snow and they go play in the snow and I, I asked them, I was like, well, did you, did you eat,
1: did you eat the lemon flavored snow? And they're
0: like, dad, <laughs> you're not supposed to eat the yellow snow.
1: <laughs> that's the life lesson. That's what Monsters Inc. is teaching us about.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good life lesson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if nothing else.
0: <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, don't eat the yellow snow. <sighs> Especially if a giant monster is telling you that it's not what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's lemon flavored, lemon flavored. Oh man. But yeah. So I think that was one of the most impactful scenes. And again, you mentioned the other one is when Sully sees that boo is, is truly terrified of him. I I think those are, those are two of the key scenes of the movie that really, really, I don't know, focus in on what it's about. And, and, and they really, they, 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 they change characters.
1: Oh those were huge. I think the other really really big one it's always just oh the best ending scene is when they get the door put together and he opens the door and and there she is and his face just lights up. Ah oh, pulls the heartstrings every single time. It does. Even the very first time I saw it I was like, "Oh, he's going to get the door back." <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's always that I think for children especially, there's that fear of losing someone. That's true. That's why kids get terrified when you know they walk through the mall or something and they can't find their parents. And, and, and why is that a recurring nightmare? You know, because kids have an innate fear of losing people or of being mm. lost. And so, I think that scene was equally impactful as a kid as it is as an adult.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Although I do have some questions about the door, okay, so let's dive let's dive into those questions because <laughs> we I've shred trees before i I've seen what comes out the back end of a of a shredder, and this seems to be a pretty legit shredder. How does Mike put the door back together?
1: See, I was always wondering like how long did this take? My assumption? was years i could see that that this was like three years later
0: well because they give a a newspaper oh actually i wonder if the newspapers have dates on them oh we're getting we're getting real here we're getting dang nabbit i should have <laughs> checked that let's let's go with the assumption that it takes years because that that makes the most sense and the reason i brought up the newspaper is the newspaper says that Monstra or uh, uh monsters inc is back on top and it seems like it's been, it's been a minute since, since everything happened. So I would agree with your, your premise of years.
1: Yeah. But going back through it and I was rewatching it and like all the, when you've seen the movie enough times, you look at the background stuff, especially if it being be like uh-huh. Pixar or something like that. Cause you know, there's going to be little Easter eggs and stuff. And so all the, like the signage and stuff that they have in the, um, kind of closing scene is all like very temporary stuff like you know somebody put Uh a piece of paper that says you know we laugh because it's great or something i don't know Um, (laughs) which to me says like hasn't been that long otherwise like you would have replaced all the signage but then again having worked for you know a number of companies and knowing (laughs) how long temporary things can stay up right years but yeah, that's kind of always been my assumption, and and just yeah, mm. it is a, a very much a stretch of imagination to see that you would. I mean, first of all, you'd you'd have to get all the door pieces in the same place, and and not be sorting through like multiple bits of debris, right? Otherwise yeah, it's just like finding a needle in a stack of needles. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah because it's not it's not even that you're looking for a needle in a haystack because hay and needle are two different things no no you're looking for the the one needle or the one speck of dust
1: right yeah. <laughs> in in a pile of dust it's so bad <laughs> so we'll we'll assume that he's just it's just a puzzle and he's putting all the pieces in the right place but
0: Yeah. And maybe monsters don't have super efficient wood chipping technology. And so instead of grinding it into a fine powder, it's just kind of chipping it into the size pieces that Sully has at the end of the movie. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah.
1: Ultimately, maybe it's, I mean, we don't really know how the door things work. It's obviously some sort of like pseudo techno magic. So maybe the pieces just, you know, have a polarity and they're going to line up a certain way. And so, Oh, no, there you go. Know where to put things.
0: They just kind of, I don't
1: know. Cause like he puts the piece in the door and he doesn't have to like glue it in. <laughs> he just like puts it in and then it works.
0: Well, oh, that's true. So Maybe they do just kind of stick kind together.
1: Of magic, sapient pear wood or something. I don't know. All
0: right. I'm willing to go with that. That sounds good to me. Another question I had is what on earth are Boo's parents thinking during the time that she's in the monster world.
1: I know for what is it? <laughs> at least a day. At
0: least two. Or maybe it is just one day.
1: It's yeah, because they her in the evening and she's there all night. And then the next day and that night he comes back. Yeah. So it's been more than a day. That this child is just yeah, between one and two degrees that she's just absolutely vanished, yeah, with no trace. <sighs> Poor parents. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I thought about
0: that and it was <laughs> and I stopped thinking kind. about it very quickly. <laughs> exactly because she disappeared through the closet door and that's strange. So we'll let that one sit in the pile of strange. <laughs> the, the the last question, and, and this is this is less this is less a question and more just a nitpick of the movie is that Boo's laughing and crying they don't they don't seem to to work always they just kind of work when they need it for the story because she does a lot of laughing and crying that doesn't make the light bulbs break
1: so Maybe it's gotta be from humor and not from amusement.
0: I I don't know.
1: That's I don't, like a weird distinction to make though. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. plot convenience.
0: Yeah, plot plot convenience. Maybe maybe it needs to reach a certain decibel level before it becomes real energy. I like don't know. You have
1: to have like an open outlet or something. I, it's, I don't know. It's it's plot. Convenience. <laughs> yeah that that was a that was a question I had. I mean, I in addition, talking. like how do you run energy off of like screams? Like that's really weird. Form of energy, like how do you gather the energy? Yeah, I'm going with its magic.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> uh, do you have any nitpicks or or questions that come up with this movie?
1: I, I mean, really, just the whole harnessing screams through a door thing. Like that's, I was, I was like, so what part is it in there <laughs> that like gathers the scream?
0: Right, because you're not turning a turbine.
1: Uh huh. There's no like well, and- funnily thing that's sucking out the stuff. Like that was the bad guy device, not the door thing. So it's like right harnessed from the door. Well, and then when Water
0: releases the scream, it releases as like a a a misty vapor. Right, it's like pneumatic. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still I'm going with magic. And, yeah, that works. <laughs> emotional magic or something. So let's see some warnings about this movie uh, They're Obviously, the movie is about scary monsters. So like my children who are going through a stage of having scary dreams right now, they're not going to be watching this movie because scary monsters. I I already get woken up up enough at night. I don't need I don't need to provide more of that for my children.
1: Again? Nah, you just got to push him through it, you know, throw on The Shining or something like that. Oh, man. Desensitize yeah, I, it. Yeah, I,
0: I still don't do well. <laughs> I still don't do well with scary movies. I am, not, I am not a horror or scary movie type of guy. Like, I'll do some thriller or suspense type movies, but man, even then. Oof.
1: Yeah, same. But uh, <laughs> see, that's the other message of the movie is that comedy sells better than horror. That's the message, but anyway
0: and you know that's a very that's true smart. message
1: <laughs> it's true
0: that's funny so yeah there's monsters in the movie there's a little bit of violence uh you know Sully and, and Randall have a fight uh Sully's about to pass out from getting choked but they play it for laughs because Mike is there and throws a and throws a, a, a snowball and hits Randall so there's that there is some name calling again I I feel like this is this is consistent through Pixar movies is there's name calling in this movie. It seems to be either from the bad guys to other people, or it's the good guys correctly depicting the bad guys with a name. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of willing to give the language or the name calling in this movie a pass just because it seems very fitting. That's fair. Yeah. Um, there's no, there was no substances. Uh, they didn't, they didn't even order drinks when they were at the, the fancy restaurant.
1: So Don't sake with sushi.
0: Yeah. How, how boring is that? And then the only, the only romantic things is that Mike and Celia are in a relationship, but that's, that's as far as it gets. So that's all that I saw when I watched the movie. It didn't, it seemed to be, I you know, pretty, pretty Pixar bland.
1: Yeah. And as far as like kind of scary scenes go, I felt like there were very few. Um, there was some, I mean, it's about monsters that come out of your closet. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, there's there's some kind of jump scary stuff that, that goes on, mostly at the very beginning and the very end. But it's really all, it's all played for laughs. It is. Um, there's no real kind of existential horror or creepiness to Mm -hmm. it, the monsters are all kind of, you know, weird looking stuff. Like Mike Wazowski is a big green eyeball with arms and legs. Mm -hmm. That's pretty innocuous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, there is a lot of kind of jump scary stuff. There there was, which I found is a completely different thing from like, actual scariness. It's like it's its own thing. Well,
0: you've got you've got jump scare and you've got suspense scare and you've got blood and gore scare and and so yeah. on the on the horror uh the the continuum of horror elements, I feel this was on the on the most innocuous side of horror elements is just the jump scare that are played for laughs,
1: which is honestly like it's more like a reflex than it is an actual response to content. It's, I don't know how many times I've been watching a movie. I may have already seen it before and I'll be like, oh, I know there's a jump scares coming up and <laughs> I'll still startle, and I'm like, why? I know it's happening. Like uh-huh. none of this was unexpected.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. And yes, yeah, still it's, jump it's a at it. Thing. Yep. So yeah, there, there's that, but that's, a, that's all that I can think of. I, I don't know. Any last thoughts about, about this movie before we call it? Yeah, it was a
1: good movie.
0: It was. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. Well, and I enjoyed discussing it with you. Thank you for sitting down and and taking your time to talk about this movie. I had a good time. Absolutely. All right. Well, to all our listeners out there, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter at Living Movies Pod. Uh, subscribe to us. Subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use. And also, if you would like... You can give us a review on iTunes or whatever player you use. And if you really like what we're doing, you should tell somebody else about our show and and let them know about the cool stuff that we do. So thanks for hanging out and we'll talk to you later.